for 30, we've got the post game. The Illini lose to Loyola in a shocker in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, the number one seeded Illini lose to number eight Loyola, 71 58. Um, the Illini never led in the game. Um, they were tied two to two, and that was it. Um, from that point on, it was just complete domination by the Ramblers. It was uh, definitely one of those things. It wasn't like a um, – I think a lot of times people lose on a heartbreaker at the end of a game. This was not that. This was just a methodical, um, for lack of a better term, ass-kicking from the tip. Uh, Loyola was better prepared. They were more energetic. They were um, more ready to play. I mean, they were tougher. Um, you know, we talk about toughness and we talk about preparation and things like that, things that Illinois has done better than everybody pretty much they've seen all year. Uh, at least especially down the stretch, but um, wasn't today. Um, and and Loyola actually did things that, you know, Illinois had done a better job with all year, and they did not do a good job today. So you got to give the Ramblers credit. They executed both ends of the floor, and they get the win, and they're going to advance to the Sweet 16. Mike, how are you feeling? Probably not great, just like the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, – that was definitely a letdown. Um, you know, I felt like – I felt a little bit like I was back in the eighties watching uh, Bo Schembechler call the same play 63 times in a row because you didn't stop it the 62nd time. And I felt that the, there was just a, a lack of um, a lack of strategy or a lack of response uh, tactically to what Loyola was doing on both ends of the court and not that I'm a great coach, but there were several times I thought, well, let's just get a, you know, let's get the whiteboard out and let's draw something up and give my players something that they can respond to that's different. And it felt like we were trying to do whatever we were trying to do. We tried to do it the whole game and it worked just as ineffectively at the one minute left in the game as it did one minute into the game. And that seemed very out of character for a team that really tends to learn from its mistakes and a coaching staff that tends to get its players to learn from their mistakes. Yes, yeah, no question. I, I didn't feel like they, you know, you got it. Porter Moser, I thought had a great game plan to elevate Crutwig, allow for backdoor cuts and, ball actions and handoffs and they were running up they ran the same play you know you talk about their offense they ran this play for those you don't know they basically they throw it to the wing um Illinois made that catch too easy first of all then they basically run what was like a modified UCLA cut basically or you know a back screen cutting it really wasn't a screen it was more just to cut through then they toss it to Crutwig and then that same guard would come through off a single single and then come for a handoff that action, and then Crutwig would roll after the handoff. It'd be roll screen. There was no backside help coming down. It could should, should have been after they ran a few times. So many options. Switch that screen, crack down on the back from the backside. Force one of the force them to make a cross court pass. You had two guys on the defense, essentially about eight feet apart on that spacing. You could have put one guy guarding them and cracked down on the post, take away the roll. Then then you can help harder with Kofi then you're able to, to, to make some adjustments. And they just had one guy standing in the other side corner. Obviously you don't want Iota or whoever it was. It was Iota a couple of times when I broke it down, but it, you don't want him coming in there, but 
maybe once in a while you got to do that because you have to vary. And yeah, they get a wide open three occasionally, but it, it's got to be a show. We didn't even show. It was just like, just going to stand there and look at our guy. And there was no, there was just no adjustments made by Illinois. They ran that play over and over and over. And then they ran some counteractions. Don't give them credit. They ran some different counteractions where they ran, they ran the same handoff out of on the opposite side of the floor off a different action. They ran the yep. same play. They just switched sides. And, and that's really good coaching. That's a veteran team. Don't, don't get me wrong. That, give Loyola credit. But Illinois never adjusted to the same play. So that's a little disappointing. And then you have, you know, Crutwig's a great passer. I thought Crutwig um, did a really good job of getting good position inside. Um, and he's so smart. Like, there were so many times he shot the ball, nobody even had a hand up on him. Because they weren't – because he's playing low like he's going to pass. And next thing you know, he just turns and he shoots a little eight-footer. It's like, oh – too late. I, I didn't react. And so it's giving him too much space. And, but I thought some of that, I, I thought Illinois got beat on a lot of cuts to the basket, just um, beat on cuts. And if you're going to pressure, you're going to get beat on backdoor cuts for sure. But if you're going to pressure, then you got to make it harder for them to make those easy catches. And if you don't have ball pressure, which they weren't going to pressure correctly, they were going to play this flat, play a flat hedge and soft hedge, whatever they're, they're going to play that way. There is no, way that it's too easy to make that pass so if you're going to play that soft then you have to play a little softer on the other spots too and, and i thought they came out wanting to pressure and, and it really didn't work and then if you're not going to pressure if you're going to pressure you got to pressure and you got to put it get up there and make it hard for crutwig to make that pass there and i thought especially when georgie came in the game because i think georgie can guard him off the dribble I, for sure it, you know he's not you know yeah in the post he's going to make these little fakes and things but i thought they just didn't adjust um, didn't change anything. And that's on the defensive end. Of course, the offensive end may have been worse than the defensive end, Mike. Uh, what yep, did you think yep. of that offensive um, execution? Yeah, execution is the right word, although I don't think it. You're, I'm going to use it in the way you were going to use it. <laughs> um, we were executed on offense. Uh, and, and, you know, to me, the the spacing on the floor was poor. Um you know, you, you had several times when uh, somebody helps to on a double team. And while our guy may have, while the person who, who uh, got, whose man was helping on the double team may have technically not had anybody guarding him, the angle for the pass wasn't good because of our floor spacing. So in a sense, if you're wide open, but yet the, the, the pass, or can't get you the ball you're not wide open um and even a few times when when both um uh, guards would come down on Kofi or even somebody would come from behind on Io here we're playing in an empty auditorium and we're not hearing for instance you know on my AAU teams if somebody's getting is coming back on a double team like that happy yell so that somebody knows that your guy is coming to get him from behind we didn't hear any communication so there was a couple times i got the ball stolen he didn't know somebody was coming from behind him there was a couple times kofi got the same thing and yes you, you know you have to be aware on the court that this is happening but there was no team cohesiveness today and just watching it um i'm not certain you know you you brought this up but i'm not certainly I guess I know we're trying to score but I have no idea how we were trying to do it and so I would have again would have thought on this type of day 
that you know you're going to call timeout. You're going to you're going to map out a couple plays. I, I will tell you, I'm not the coach that you are, Brad. But one of the things that I used to do is when somebody wanted to take a guy out like that, I hated to let them do it. So what I would have done with Io is I would have let him bring the ball out of bounds up the right sideline. I would have put everybody on the left side, and and see if 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 they're going to bring over a guy to help. We've got an easy, easy open man for IO to hit, or he just takes it all the way to the basket and we'll, we'll see what we can do off of that. And, and we, we tended to put IO on the right side or on the left side, have him try to come across the double team. And that didn't work at it very often during the game. So I'm, I'm going to let you break it down a lot better than I would, but it was, it was a rough day on both ends of the court. Yeah, I thought coming out of halftime, it was one thing that I saw coming out of halftime. Illinois got the ball on a ball reversal and got Io and Kofi uh, basically isolated on a side ball screen. Um, and that was a better option. Uh, obviously, it, Io hits the floater off glass, and, and and that was a much more effective thing. But what I saw when they're running the high ball screen, they they would run the play, two guys, you know, the guy guarding Io, and then Crutwig would, would trap Io up top, hard hedge, make him go around or, or trap him many times. And then Kofi would go dive. And, and what would happen is then the weak side guy would have to come crash on Kofi. So you're making a pass. They're, they're guarding him. The guy in the weak side corner is wide open. The problem is that the guy in the weak side corner is 40 feet from the guy with the ball because you're already so high. And you have to make a pass over a six, nine guy. And then the six, five guy who's guarding. So it's going to, it's, you can't just snap that pass. So what should have happened is you have to have backside action. If that guy would flash and then the top guy here, if you put Frazier up at the top perhaps and have him and then have Grandison at the, in the weak side corner, now Grandy flashes to the elbow, the high post at the free throw line. Boom, you put Frazier in the weak side corner. Now when Grandison catches, he's got a two-on-one, or basically a three-on-two. I've got Krent spotted up on the other side. I've got Kofi down low if they, they stay on him, or I've got a 15-footer. I mean, it's it's like they tried to reinvent the wheel sometimes, but when you don't have movement on offense, it doesn't matter what you run. It can be at the at the high school level, and, and trust me, I, I we, we my daughter, my daughter ran for the last three years of her high school career. We ran just a crap ton of ball screens um, with her because yeah, it's it's hard to guard. But if it's just a simple ball screen. It's it's too easy to defend when they have a guy that they're marking and not guarding, and if that guy's not going to be effective and he's just going to stand in the corner, and and you're not going to be able to throw it to him, then it doesn't matter. So you have to get better spacing. You have to get backside action, and that is my thing. I I, I hate to say this, and I don't say this because I'm not saying they're comparable as coaches, but it reminded me of the John Gross ball screen offense, where it was just a ball screen with just limited action behind. And, and I feel like you have to have that. And, and I, I think it occupies defense. There was nothing occupying those weak side defenders. There was no flashes, no cuts, nothing there. You watch, watch Illinois' offense compared to Loyola's offense in the movement that they were getting, and you see a totally difference. Don't get me wrong. Illinois has better players than Loyola. They have more guys that are capable of taking you off the bounce. They're more guys capable of scoring 20 to 25 points a game. They have more guys. They probably, if you line them up, athletically and physically you would say Illinois is a better team but that team moved and we were cohesive and moved the ball they were veteran they were old and and they just had a better better approach and I thought Illinois had just 
it became kind of watch IO and hope he, you know, when Illinois had struggled this year, remember it had been kind of let IO, you know, kind of carry them down the stretch of games. Well, when he's having a bad day, you couldn't do that. That's why I, one thing, and this sounds terrible. I say this, how much better did they look offensively with ball movement when he really probably wasn't in the, when he was hurt? I mean, and that's not saying they aren't better with IO. I'm not saying that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not making that statement. What I'm saying is the offense was different. They had more ball movement. They had more guys driving. And, and they were better today when Bellow was the one. The thing about Bellow is they don't help off Bellow. Like, basically, they just let him, if he's going to score a 15-foot turnaround or whatever, they were not going to let him beat them uh, or net with his passing. They were going to make him beat them with his scoring and, and make him a scorer. And right now, he's not capable of, you know, knocking out threes or not, not a consistent scorer, makes some bad decisions. And so – there's just a lot of things that they have to work on. And, 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 uh, but there was a lot of options. I felt like sometimes maybe even, and I've done this before as a coach, you got to get caught up in the game and instead, and you're trying to do things like, I think they were trying so hard to get IO and Kofi the ball, not realizing that the option was to let the other guys flash and make the plays that were there. And then it opens up Kofi and IO and, and it just wasn't, it wasn't wasn't to be today, so so yeah, there's my and, rant and the sad on thing. offense because I'm no, a no, offensive. I love. I just think there were so many options they had offensively against a really good Loyola defense. Don't get me wrong; it's very good. Yeah, no, and and I'll be honest with you, I I'm more of a defensive coach when I coach, and I always need somebody good on my on my staff to help out because offense is not my forte. Um, and if anybody who's see, saw me play way, way, way back in the day at Muhammad, you would agree with that statement 100%. But um, the thing that I thought was the most frustrating was, is that Curbelo and Miller played pretty good today. And I think if there was a day that we could have potentially cashed in on them a little more, it might have been today. Um, Curbelo got into a little bit of trouble, you know, over dribbling and getting you know, get a couple extra turnovers that you wouldn't have, you haven't seen for a few weeks. But for the most part, I think, um, you know, you hit, you hit, um, you hit Miller for a couple more passes. Um, you move those guys around. Like I said, I, I kind of felt like in, you know, one of the first defensive drills any coach does for man to man and helping is you have your guy stand between his, his, uh, the ball and his man and you point your right hand at the at the uh, person with the ball and your left hand at the person with the, that you're guarding and then scoot back until you can see both of them and basically the Loyola guys just had to run to a spot on the floor where they could see both guys and then they were done moving for that possession and that really makes defense even a guy like me can play defense when that happens <laughs> um, and yeah. the other thing I thought that was, was interesting was how we got, uh, Sirota or however you pronounce his name as a referee. I mean, the guys, what, what is he like four or five of our losses this year are yeah. games that he's on now. Let me be, let me be really, really direct here. The referees didn't cost us the game, but the way he calls a game where Kofi does get a lot of hacks and hits and, and, things and, and rarely gets the calls. Um, it definitely was the guy I would not have wanted on the floor if I could pick any referee. Um, and there were, you know, again, the refs didn't cause this, but I would have liked to have seen a different crew out there when I saw him. I was like, oh, 
this is not good. Yeah, I mean, you know, eventually you get into a pattern when you're, when you're losing games or, or really struggling in games that one guy is officiating over and over. You're thinking, what would we do wrong here? I mean, what what's going on here? How is this? And, but I don't think the officials had an impact. They, the right. only thing the officials did, I thought, in the first half, they let them play, and they let a, a Loyola be physical with Illinois. But Illinois didn't handle it. And, and that's not to say that it's exactly. right. I mean, it is what it is. But – you have to be tougher than that. If you're going to be an everyday guy, you're going to cite your toughness, then you got to be tough in that situation. You got to be tough with the ball. You got to be strong with it. And you can't get bumped and you can't take that. And I, I, I say that as a guy who's probably strong enough to not get bumped very often right now <laughs> because, you know, I'm old. I'm old, but I am thick. So, uh, you know, but, but so I, I get it. But at the same yes. time, I, you know, I, I always play that way. I mean, like you're going to get bumped, you're going to get knocked and, and that's part of the game, and, and you just got to kind of be physical. But I thought, you know, you look at the difference. If Illinois would go to the basket, and they go away from contact. Loyola goes to the basket. They know they can't go over people. They 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 jump stop, and Illinois is flying by, and they get a foul because they jump back into him. You know, and is it a yep. cheap call, whatever? But that's how you got to play. And, and Illinois has to learn to play that way. They just play a little smarter, um, and they'll get more foul calls. You know, Bellow is probably the only guy who's really good at at drawing those fouls. Now, here's my here's my other conspiracy theory, and and I kind of I say this Illinois. That was a by the way, if you look at offensive efficiency, Illinois scored fewer than one point per possession three times this season. Once was Purdue game, which they won because they locked them up defensively. Once was Maryland, they lost at home, where they scored just under one point per possession, and today where they scored well under one point per possession, 0.875 points per possession. But so I kind of, you know, it's kind of a, this was one of those offensive games. And, and we're going to talk defense. Defense was bad. Don't get me wrong. Had a lot of mistakes. But you, when you're a team that's that good offensively, you really have to have a better a better approach than that. Now, here's the other thing. So since Iowa, or since Io shot nine free throws against Rutgers in that first Big Ten tournament game, he shot five against Iowa, four against Ohio State won against Drexel and none today. So for some reason, you know, if you look at the season, there were only what um, he shot no free throws against Minnesota at home, but they won. You know, it didn't matter. He shot no free throws against Iowa at home, and then today. So there were three games this year he didn't get to the line. Um, in his career, there have been about six games where he didn't get there. His last two years, maybe six games where he didn't shoot free throws. For a guy who drives as much as he does, you would think you would get to the line more, and maybe that's the way it's fishing. But I still don't think, and I'm not making excuses for the kid, but he is a stand-up kid. He came out in the media and said, you know, I, I didn't get it done today, and it's my fault, and I take responsibility, blah, 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 which isn't his fault. He's just, you know, he had a bad day because all athletes have bad days. But since he broke his nose, I mean, you have to be, and he got hit. Remember in the Big Ten tournament when he got hit, and he kind of, you could see him stop? It's got to be – he just doesn't – I don't think he goes quite as um, – maybe as relentless to the hoop as he did before because of the facial issues. And I think he's he's a tough kid playing through that in the mass. But I, I just don't think there's any way that he's going as hard to the hoop as he was earlier in the year. And I think that contributes to it. And that's why I would like to have seen him maybe be more of a decoy as – maybe because they're not going to leave him. You can play four-on-four. Four. Put him in the corner on the weak side and play four-on-four. Four. They're not going to leave him. And then it opens up spacing yep. for everybody. So I don't know. That's my thought. No, I, I I tend to agree with you. And, and I, I think he still drives, but it's not quite as often. 
And what it is, is it's perpendicular to the basket. So he's driving like straight down, straight down the line, um, you know, uh, and, and basically uh, at the edge of the lane. And then he's doing the bank shot across his body and then down as opposed to driving to the basket. So if you think about it, it's a slightly different thing. But if you if you watch the games, he has he does he does, you know, like I said, kind of follow the lane and and is shooting that that bank as he goes out of bounds. Um, it's more of the Magic Johnson runner that he's shooting as opposed yes. to, you know, going in for the going in for the quote dunk slash layup. And I don't blame him because I, I marked that exact moment. And I think we may have even talked about it in one of our podcasts when he got hit in the face. Um, you could tell it hurt, and I am not at all complaining about that, but and or accusing him of anything because I will still put him on my list as my number one Illini, just because of when he came here and what he's done for this program. But it, there was a subtle change in how he attacked the basket after that that hit, and I had to watch my son play with a mask on, both soccer and basketball, and um, it didn't bother him near as much in basketball. But he was not as fearless going into the basket and 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 going after rebounds when elbows were flying when he had the mask on as before he had got hit in the face. And it wasn't a big difference. But, you know, in NCAA games, it doesn't have to be a big difference. It can be just a little bit that causes a problem. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, uh, it's tough. Um, I don't know. I would say that it's really a – Man, I don't know. It's tough to take the. I mean, it's really hard to watch. You know, as a Loyola fan, man, you just you had so much perspective respect for Io. He's so good at the media. You just yep. hate to see a kid go out like that, um, with not his best game. You know, I, I think, of course, maybe as a fan, you're looking at this like, I should probably, you know, had they lost on a last second shot, maybe you're heartbroken. But you just from the tip, Loyola dominated this game, and at some point you just got to give credit to Loyola Porter Moser. For all of his, you know, issues, you know, Illinois State fired Porter Moser, by the way. Do you think they're regretting that decision about now? I, I don't know. It could Lord be only knows. It seems I, like it. You know, yeah. Maybe that was a mistake. So I, I don't know. But I, I kind of look at Porter Moser and I say, you know, there's a guy who has – he's another grinder. Fantastic coach, obviously. Gets a lot out of his guys. This is the time for him to jump. So no matter what happens down the road, it makes sense for him to take the payday. He needs to be – if Indiana – or Minnesota isn't going to give somebody, you know, local guy. I mean, you know, he's, he's almost becoming one of those guys that, you know, he can be, you know, his ends with you and you with his ends kind of guy. You know what I mean? I mean, he just, cause you, you know, look, he gets veteran guys. He got old. They're, they're still old and they're, um, they're effective. And, and so I, I think those guys could do a lot worse than hiring him. And, you know, he knows how to coach, really does a fantastic job of running systems and getting guys in a position where they, they can succeed. And, and um, you see that, I saw that today. Yeah. You wouldn't catch me within a mile of the Minnesota job. Personally. Uh, I lived up in Minnesota for five years during the Clem Haskins era. And, you know, you have to be a really good recruiter to take the best of Minneapolis, St. Paul, because, what happens is, is the blue bloods and the major powers, they parachute in for your best player, you know, and then you're kind of hoping that somewhere in the state, you know, there's a Kevin McHale or a Randy Brewer that you can build around because, you know, um, 
the the guards who you know went to duke have left um that would be the first thing i would the advice i would give him if you can get the indiana job then yeah by all rights go down there and do it um i had heard mark maybe marquette or uh, there was somebody else looking at him and i was like i don't know you know maybe maybe loyola is not a bad place for him to pivot from because unlike chris collins you know he can you know, he doesn't have to go through the Big Ten season just to get to the NCAAs. Um, but, you know, like I said, he's a he's a heck of a coach. ISU has to be wearing the kick me sign um, for letting him go. And my gosh, you know, you you allow that to happen and you really have to wonder. And if I was a, a, a power five conference school, though, I would be all over him because you've got a guy there who's young enough that can build your program. Um, and he's proven that he can win. And the other thing I think that we probably all of us have have underestimated because I haven't written about it once is the fact that Loyola has some experience in the NCAA tournament and we haven't went for years and we didn't get a shot last year to kind of go through the pressure of the tournament. I think that means more right now in retrospect than what I thought it would mean Um let's say about, oh, 11 a.m. this morning. Yeah. Well, there's no question. I think somebody posted on Twitter, I saw this, and somebody said, you know, this was like the Illinois, this was like the Virginia loss to Maryland-Baltimore County. The difference is this could have been Illinois last year if they'd have got that chance to maybe lose a game, and it would have prepared them for this year because you saw that with yes. Virginia. They lose the first one sixteen, They come back and win it all the next year. Um, obviously, and, and I'll, I will say this, I think that not – the guy they missed today, or a guy they really would have made a difference today was Andres Feliz because he was tough. He would have found a way to get scrape free a rebound. He would have found a way to get a bucket in there. And I, I thought even like, you know, I, I thought there were some good things that Illinois did, but I, I was surprised. And I say this in both games, and this is I'll wrap up with this. I was surprised at how, whether they were playing Drexel or whether they were playing um, – and I, uh, playing Loyola, Illinois didn't look like overly superior athletically to the opposition. I mean, they were quicker at times, you know, different things. But like when they were going up for rebounds, it, it, it was it just me or did, it was it so many times where they would get beat. Somebody go over the top of a Demonte Williams or Grandison, whoever it is, or Io or Cabela, whoever, over Illinois players. And I thought Illinois was able to wasn't able to just secure those a lot of balls got tipped away just with that athleticism and so with their I, I didn't see that when they were playing Ohio State I didn't see that against Michigan so is it the dead legs of playing in a hotel for the past two weeks in the same town is it is there something that was wrong because that hasn't been Illinois all year and I just felt like they weren't didn't have the spring in their step or is it the grind finally of playing all those games down the stretch did it finally catch up with them when they got here yeah, it, it, it may have. It, it's hard to tell, but th they definitely didn't have that 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 extra gear they had earlier. Uh, maybe it's you know all those time, all that time in the hotel. Um, I don't know, you know, what the practice routine was, um, but certainly there are um, there are issues that could be there. The other player that I thought they missed, you know, from an instant energy standpoint, that they could have used. You know, and and I know that they're still alive in the tournament, but um, you know, Alan Griffin, um, 
you know, having a guy who could come in and get you a couple baskets and a couple crazy rebounds because he happens just to be running around at full speed and runs right into a play. Um, you know, I think they missed that kind of instant energy guy. Uh, Curbelo can't really be that guy when he's got to handle the ball and not make turnovers. Um, but yeah, there was, there was definitely a frustration there that, um, it seemed like we were a half step slow, but you know, everybody else is in a hotel too. So I guess we can't, we can't chalk that one up. You know, it's, yeah. I, I, I don't know what caused it, but I saw the same thing you did. Yeah. And I, I don't know whether, maybe it was the, you know, down the stretch kind of situation where they didn't, you know, just so many games compressed and they showed a great deal of toughness coming through there, but then, you know, eventually you run out, you know, so evidently there is some Alan Griffin or Illinois curse because Alan Griffin, I don't know if you saw his first stat line from his first NCAA tournament game. He didn't even get in, did he? Played 15 minutes, had no points, 0 of 2 from the field. So evidently it's not just Illinois. It's evidently if you've ever gone to Illinois, you're going to (laughs) struggle. So it's just, it's just the way it goes. There is a curse. So, you know, (laughs) um, I look at this, I look at this. Do you remember, you remember when we lost to K-State back in the early 80s? I, I do. I've tried um, to put these things out of my mind, but yeah. yeah. I know. But this this reminded me of that game, okay? Because so you got to beam back. I'm in high school. And, um, you know, Rolando Blackman was on that team. Derek Harper's the, you know, the the higher-rated player. And, and we're sitting there going, okay, you know, we've got our brackets all the way out to the final four. All they have to do is beat K-State. And I think that may have – I'm trying to think if that was that was probably even pre Lon Kruger. It was probably the old guy before him. Yeah. And K State was a bunch of nobodies. They were like an eight seed, and we were a four seed. And you know, like I said, Illinois fans were all, and we were behind that whole game. And I'm not certain if we ever led that game. And then we're sitting there going, "How the heck did that just happen?" And I really felt like a time machine that I was back. You know, switch Loyola with with uh, K-State, um, and I felt like I was in the same experience all over again. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the uh, that's the word from the old guy. So now I guess we look at it now, and you have no choice because, you know, you're going to – just like when you win a game, you can't dwell on it. You've got to kind of celebrate for a few minutes. you got to move on. Uh, the Illinois staff now goes – you know, they're, I'm sure they're going to take a week off here with these guys and let them kind of decompress and go see their families maybe a little bit and, um, you know, get a chance to just kind of be normal kids for a little bit. And, and I'm sure that, you know, so maybe there's some actual kind of positive out of this. I mean, for them, and they get to have some normalcy. They've been, in, they've been bubbled for so long. But so anyway, they – so they – Illinois staff now has to move on. And, and the future is what we're going to talk about tomorrow on Sturdy for 30. We're going to go talk about the Illinois basketball future, where they're at, where they're headed, and, and what this means. And well, that'll be our next Sturdy for 30. So we're not going to get too in-depth on that. But just know that, you know, Brad Underwood talked about it. This is – think about where the program was four years ago when he took over. They were a team that hadn't been in an NCAA tournament. Coming into this year, they haven't been in an NCAA tournament for eight years. Yeah, they're a one seed and they lost, and it's It's devastating. It's a tough loss, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you start stacking NCAA tournament appearances over and over, you know, getting a top four seed over and over, you're going to get there. And, and that's what you have to do. You're going to have that you know, magical year. And, and you, this could have been it. There's no question. This team had the, had the juices to, uh, to make a run, but they didn't get it done this year, but I think there's pieces there. 
that they can keep building through recruiting and, and have a bright future over the next few years as well. Yep. It's time to everyday guy it on the recruiting trail. And, you know, the, we've seen a few things that, that, that this team has lacked in terms of uh, consistent outside shooters um, and also size on the wing. And my, my thought is, is that Underwood was haunted by the Eastern Illinois loss. Like you explained to us, you know, obviously it takes somebody who's close to the staff to know that and understand that. But um, I got to think that this is going to be a burr in his saddle that will take a long time for him, uh, you know, coach Underwood to want to even think back to this game. And hopefully that this will motivate him on those days, you know, that you got to get one more, one more call in with a recruit or, you know, get one, one problem fixed. Um, something tells me that this will motivate him for quite a span of, of uh, time. Yeah, I think so. I think he's a guy who's gonna, you know, push, you know, um, he's actually never, you know, he's been to the NCAA tournament. Now this is his fourth trip. Of course they would have been five, but if the Illinois, uh, Clearly that last year they would have been a what was probably a six, seven seed, something like that. Um, didn't have a tournament, but so this is his fifth trip. He's lost in the second round three times out of those five. So he's never been to the sweet 16 as a head coach. I can guarantee you that is sticking in his craw right now. And he's going to really, and he probably won't, he's going to say how, how I got to get to this next level. Um, and, and I got to find a way to do it. So uh, guarantee that they're pushing forward. Um, you know, this also one of those things people say, well, I've had so many messages, for, I will tell you this, just to wrap up with this, so many messages about how this, well, this is going to derail recruiting, it's going to hurt recruiting. Well, then, then the teams that aren't in the tournament, you know, you got to look at who's not there, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, they're all, they're all done, right? They've all been done. So you've got all these teams out, somehow they're going to be able to recruit, but I don't like it. Illinois was, a, the, the, what makes it fun is Illinois is in the mix. That's how you get you, – you win some games, you get in the mix. Now you sell it and say – now you call these kids and say, look, we were a couple players short. You're one of those guys. And so here we go. And so that's where you yep. kind of sell it with them. So it's all about sales. Mike Cagley loves sales, so that's his thing. So, all right, well, the Illini fall to Loyola. Disappointing end to what has uh, been a good season. They win the Big Ten tournament. Um, they're Big Ten tourney champions. They, uh, you know, they have a 24-7 you know, and seven record. Back in the NCAA tournament, first time in eight years, um, have a have a bright future. Two seniors who have the, a tough decision on whether they're going to come back. A junior who is definitely gone, uh, heading to the NBA. He talked about it again today. And then you've got you know a sophomore who will have options. So we'll kind of see what happens with Illinois in the offseason. But this isn't a team that's going anywhere. They're going to be good for the foreseeable future um, with the recruiting that they're on, and they're going to have a big. They need a big spring on the recruiting trail as they try and refill some of these holes. And I, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Um, this is Sturdy for 30 with Mike Cagley and Brad Sturdy from AlinaGuys.com. Thanks for listening.